Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I've been thinking a lot over the last 24 hours or so, but the conversation that dominated the 24 hours prior to that, you know, the injury news for Donnell Washington, Tyke Smith, and the way in which it kind of compounds on some other things that seem to have been going on for UGA. And, you know, we talked yesterday about the fact they're kind of divergent groups on this. They're the folks who are like, next man up, you just got to move on past it and expect everything to be fine. Or the people who are like, ah, typical Georgia season's over before it even gets here. And, you know, there were just kind of those split categories. And there's also this other category. And admittedly, speaking here for a moment as a fan, admittedly, this is probably the category that I somewhat maybe find myself in of people who say back to me, you know, B.A., I'm not quite so sure that everything's going to be okay here. I'm not quite so sure that Georgia's able to 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 weather this storm and able to, you know, handle all this. But I don't really have any other choice but to believe that. You know, I've invested so much in Georgia football, and I've been waiting for the entirety of the summer to get by here so we can actually have the season. And now that the season's almost here, the last thing I'm going to do is decide none of it matters and none of it's worth following on the heels of what has admittedly been probably more bad news here this summer than most Georgia fans can stand to take. And as I said before, because I do this for a living and because fun conversations are better than unfun conversations, I, I kind of understand where that, that that feeling comes from of, hey, who knows how well Georgia absorbs all of this, the injuries and the departures, the absences and the things like that. Who knows what the team actually looks like once it takes the field on September 4th, but we're almost in a position where we really have almost no other choice but to, to assume that everything you know kind of might be okay, or at least we want the possibility that might be the case. I'm going to date myself with a reference here, but it almost reminds me a little bit of uh, you know the movie from the 80s, The Officer and the Gentleman. You get the scene there, the great one where uh, Lou Gossett Jr. as the – what do you call it, like the drill sergeant? You know, he's getting all over Richard Gear and basically telling him he's not fit for duty, not not capable of doing this. And uh, Gear has the classic moment that is pretty, I think, fitting for '80s movies. I feel like there was a lot of overacting in '80s movies, and I'm not a thespian, I'm not an actor. I don't, you know, I, I don't know what good acting necessarily is, but I do feel like there was a lot of uh, a lot of overacting in '80s movies, and this is maybe an example of that. But it's also kind of the feeling of a lot of Georgia fans who are just kind of left to say. What else do I have the uh, the uh, opportunity to do but to believe that things might be okay for the uh, for the dogs this season? I think we all kind of find ourselves being a little bit like Richard Gere from The Officer and the Gentleman. In fact, here's a reminder of that just quickly to set the stage for all of this. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing else. I like how he goes downbeat there at the end. I got nothing else. And for a lot of us, we really have kind of nothing else. We've got so much invested in this emotionally that, hey, all you can do after something bad happens is try to turn the page and hope that things are going to get better. Well, here's the good news. If you want to turn that page and if you want to have reason to believe that things for the dogs may, you know, truly be getting better, I thought yesterday kind of provided an example of that. Now, we're not going to pretend that the injuries haven't happened and we're not going to pretend as was the case in 2020. We talked about this on yesterday's show. We're not going to pretend that that this isn't a lot to overcome, of course. And in some cases, you know, when injuries pile up, it ends up you know being an issue. Uh, we're not going to pretend that's not at least a possibility here. But if you're looking to see a Georgia team capable of turning the page, capable of leaning on what it does have without fixating on what it, at least for now, doesn't have, I thought the players that spoke to the media yesterday gave you a chance to believe that. Let me start with uh, Georgia running back Kendall Milton. Milton has always been a very articulate spokesman for his own behalf and now on behalf of the uh, team itself. And, you know, yesterday he was kind of talking about, hey, in light of, you know, injuries that have occurred, the big Clemson game coming up, you know, kind of what do you see going on with your team? And listen, if there is any loss of enthusiasm for Milton because it hasn't maybe been, at least in some folks' eyes, a, a great summer for Georgia, you really don't get the sense that, that that Milton has that perspective at all. Still very upbeat, still very eager for the season that's about to be here. This is good stuff from the Georgia running back. Listen to this. With the, the type of school that we go to, it's a school that has a lot of talent. So everybody, you know, we work for moments. Uh, everybody works to get their chance. And uh, we're super excited for the season, you know, playing with what we have. And everybody's just excited with the talent that we have on the field, just excited to attack the opportunity. I love that at the end, they're excited to attack the opportunity. And that's the thing we kind of talked about yesterday. Uh, hey, you know, 
Clemson's a tough game, even if you do have all your players, right? There's no guarantee that Georgia was going to win that game. And now that you've got a few injuries, there's no guarantee that Georgia's going to lose it. All it really is is an opportunity. And the reason why we're obsessed with this kind of stuff is because when you tune in, you really don't know what's going to happen. You can see, you know, the the favorite team win. You can see uh, the, uh, the, the the underdog pull the upset. You can see all of that on any given Saturday in college football, that there is no guarantees. Nothing is a given. All it really is is an opportunity, an individual opportunity for a player to take advantage of, a team opportunity to go out and achieve a collective goal, an opportunity for us to see how Georgia does handle the adversity that is a natural byproduct of any season. And Kendall says there, we're just ready to go out and attack the opportunity. We're just ready to go out there and take advantage of the chance that we have. And the subtext of that is, we talked on on yesterday's show, that opportunity is not lessened just because Georgia is not currently at full strength. And I think that's really important to hear from Kendall Milton on that. And then our buddy Mike Griffith asked Kendall a question of, Hey, you had a chance to go through the scrimmage on Saturday. Of course, Georgia get ready to do an, gets ready to do another one of those here this week in there as well. You um you had a chance to go through that, had a chance to see all of that. And when you watch your team in action in a more competitive environment, different than a normal practice, uh, full pads on, really hot. When you see that team kind of going through all of that, getting ready to be on the field against a different color jersey coming up on September 4th. What's the look that you that, that you see from your team? What's the feeling that you get when you look at that team? Now, admittedly, what Milton saw on Saturday, we've actually subtracted a couple of more guys off that, at least for right now, in the persons of Washington and, and Tyke Smith. But once again, what Kendall says about what he saw from his team last Saturday, I still think these words resonate in light of just the kind of downbeat nature that most Georgia fans have kind of found themselves in on in light of a kind of a recent string of, of bad news here. Here's more from Kendall Milton. It just showed me how talented of a team we have, how many weapons we have. Just seeing everybody on the field between the offense and the defense side of the ball, it's crazy how much competition there is in that whole practice type atmosphere because, you know, it's the best of best on both sides. So uh, it just shows how much talent we have on both sides and potential we have as a team. And seeing that scrimmage, it just made me, you know, 10 times more excited to get on that field and, you know, really get into action. So a phrase that you hear me say a lot, and I'm going to continue to say it a lot, is when it comes to college football and roster management and how you build the kind of roster capable of winning a championship, numbers are always going to be more important than names. If you fall in love with any one name, you're bound to be disappointed. That player might get hurt. In some cases, the elite recruits actually at the college level don't perform the way that we think they might. Any individual name is potentially bound to disappoint you because football is a very difficult sport to predict. But the one thing that you can really rely on are numbers, that if you put enough elite prospects into any one position group, the chance of finding a few that can play and a, and a chance of kind of never being in a situation where you get caught without someone and when you get caught with a hole on your roster, if you trust in numbers, numbers will will will, will be there to back you up over and over and over again. Sometimes individual names have a tendency to disappoint. And in a roundabout way, that's what Kendall Milton's also saying there. He looks around, offense, defense, everything else in between. He's like, wow, look at all these guys who are capable of playing. Now, who are the stars that will emerge and who will actually do the best from a statistical standpoint or whatever else? We don't know that yet. That's still to be determined. And and frankly, will enough of those guys do that that Georgia can actually win a, a championship? We certainly don't, don't know that either. But Kendall Milton says, hey, even in light of some of the injury stuff that's gone on, there's a whole bunch of numbers that you can pay attention to. And I, I think that's uh, kind of important to remember. For Georgia fans who want some good news, who want to be able to turn the page, you really get a chance to do that based on what Kendall says and what uh, some other guys say. In fact, let me give you another example of this here real quick. Uh, Chris Smith, Georgia safety, who's talking about the fact that he's also now rotating Summit Star with Tyke Smith being hurt and everything else. If you want to start pivoting towards that game against Clemson, the good news now is um, Georgia's players aren't necessarily shying away from talking about that. It's not like if you asked them about that in April, they would have said, oh, we got a lot more to worry about before we get ready for Clemson. No, all of a sudden now, we're only a couple of weeks away from the game. It's not too soon to tar- start talking about Clemson. And in Georgia practices, you get the sense that it's now time to start really game planning and get ready for, a, for an attack that has the chance of beating the Tigers coming up on September 4th. So for Georgia fans who are just kind of ready for the next thing after kind of some of the recent stuff hasn't quite been what you want it to be, the fact that uh, Chris uh, uh Smith, more than ready for that game coming up against the Tigers. Another reason to feel good here on this Friday. Take a listen to this. We all know Clemson's a, a great team. You know, um, they got a lot of good players, but so do we. We focus on ourselves right now and um, focusing on how we, we're able to get better. And uh, when that time comes, we'll put a game plan together for Clemson. 
Listen, I, I love the idea that they're already thinking about that, ready to talk about that, and uh, getting ready for that game. Georgia fans have been through a lot. I'm not going to pretend they have, but even if I'm one who says that weathering that storm may be a little easier than some have given it credit for, there's no doubt it takes an emotional toll on you. So the fact that yesterday Georgia players were talking about, you know, what's next, I think that's a nice next step in this process. I'll invite you to go to the Dog Nation YouTube page to check out all of that for yourself. Now, let me do something completely different for a minute, totally different topic here. I thought that Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated had a very interesting piece where he, and I'm going to do more of this for SEC through later on, but he's ranked the most intriguing coaches in college football. And the guy that comes in number five on his list of most intriguing coaches is Kirby Smart. We all kind of understand why. Smart is a pivotal figure and that Forty suggests that eventually, it's almost a certainty that he'll eventually hoist a national championship trophy. We just don't know when. And at the risk of being negative here, I'm also going to highlight something else that Forty says about Smart as far as maybe why for him as a coach it hasn't happened yet. Now, we've told you a million times on here before that we are not of the belief that this is a national championship or bust season for Georgia as a program. This program is going to be around for quite some time to come. And as a coach for Kirby Smart, that's also not true there as well. Georgia stands to be a big contender for for national championships and playoff berths and everything else for many years to come in the future. And I think it's very difficult to argue against that. That's just objectively true. However, even if I push back on the idea that it's not championship or bust season, that is not the same thing as saying there isn't some pressure on smart to do more of what he hasn't done enough of or do less of what he's probably done too much of. And I want to focus on the last part of that for a moment. What you kind of want to see less of from Kirby smart. I thought that Pat 40, gave a little bit of a, a harsh analysis of smart, but I don't think it's unfair and I don't think it's untrue. And I do think it's the kind of thing that folks will be watching from above 10,000 feet away on this program here this year. Let me read you a couple of sentences here. Pat 40 sports illustrated ranking smart among the most intriguing coaches in college football and says the missing piece to maybe win a national championship, the biggest box to check his in-game coaching and the ability to stop having one meltdown performance every season. Now, I think in-game coaching stuff is very difficult to measure, right? You know, we, we criticize coaches for their bad decisions, but sometimes it's hard to notice their good decisions because you don't really know how things could have otherwise been. So I think the, the in-game coaching part of this is a little bit of a nebulous thing to consider. But the idea that there has been one meltdown per season, unfortunately, that's a lot easier to measure. That's a lot easier to go back and recall of, yeah, you know, Georgia was beating Alabama at halftime last year, but got completely trounced in the second half of that game. Go back to the 2019 season. Georgia got completely walloped in the SEC championship game against LSU. Go back to the 2018 season. You know, lost on the road in ugly fashion to LSU again. 2017 in uh, Jordan-Hare Stadium. Got beat up really bad uh, against Auburn. I won't say anything about the 2016 season because that's really kind of before Georgia got its program up and running, but 17, 18, 19, 20. For a program as talented as Georgia, for a program that is on the shortest of lists of teams that can win the national championship, there are too many games that result in a final score in which it appears that Georgia just wasn't very competitive in the game. That's got to change, right? And I don't think it's unfair to put that on Smart here this year, that you're looking to see Georgia take that next step which means being back in the college football playoff after having not done that in 2017. But it also means not seeing that. Georgia can't lose a game by three touchdowns this year, right? I mean, at a certain point in time, you got to just make that a part of the early growth stage of this program and something that you eventually graduate from. Now, running the table, going 15-0, and few teams are capable of doing that. But being competitive down to the final whistle, down to the final buzzer in every game this season, I don't think that's asking too much. I think it's a really interesting piece from Pat Forty. We'll look later on at uh, some of the other coaches that show up on that list around Kirby Smart. But interesting analysis from a guy like Forty who's been around the block a couple of times for a coach like Smart who's clearly one of the pivotal figures in this sport for 2021 and a guy that a lot of very well-known media types are looking to see. Can Kirby Smart take that next step? My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger, and glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, or thereabouts, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, 
the page at dognation.com. We kind of beta testing the app here a little bit too. Uh, a lot of you've asked, hey, can you do Dog Nation daily on the app? And the honest answer I have to give is I have no idea because I have no idea how apps work. But somebody smarter than me has said, yeah, we might be able to do that. So we're giving that a shot. And that's been really fun all the way around. Just good stuff. Glad to have you with us here today. And a huge thanks to our friends at Kroger for making it all possible. By the way, make sure you check out our friends at Kroger there as well. Uh, of course, you're getting ready for the uh, school year. Many of you, are, uh, most of you actually been in school now for, you know, going on a month or so. So it's all been seemingly going well. You're getting stocked up on those books and the supplies. And of course, the, the lunch and the, and the stuff and the snacks. I told you before, my kids eat, you know, a metric ton worth of snack. It seems like every single week. And if it wasn't for Kroger, I'd be in pretty rough shape on that. So you yourself can uh, make sure you're in good shape. For the school year that's just kind of getting going, uh, you get those wish lists from the teachers. They need new things. That's all available for you there at Kroger, too. You can check out all of that. Kroger.com slash school for more details. Kroger.com slash school. They'll give you a lot more details on all of that. Speaking of more details, we got more details to come before we're done on today's show. A lot of UGA recruiting stuff. Our buddy Jeff Sintel will stop by in here a little bit. I'm looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to this. Let me just give you a quick shout out for this coming up on Sunday. We're going to do this uh, scheduled to begin at 8.30 p.m. It's our edition of the show we've been calling KM Squared with Georgia running backs Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh. They're actually going to be live this Sunday night, scheduled to start at 8.30 p.m., going to be live, and they're going to be taking your questions there as well. So we just heard some really good stuff from Kendall Milton from yesterday. Kendall and, and Kenny both are, are just terrific personalities and huge fan favorites on this Georgia roster for good reason. You've been watching them on the KM Squared show now on the Dog Nation video channels for the last few weeks. This is in a completely different version of that, though, live. Your chance to interact with them. That's going to be fun. Sunday night, scheduled to begin at 8.30. So please make sure you get a chance to check that out. I think that's going to be a, a really cool a uh, moment to maybe get your question answered by a Georgia running back, something that uh, a lot of you would certainly love the chance to do, and you will get a chance to do that later on this weekend, Sunday night for that. So that's all the Dog Nation video channels, so make sure you check that out there. For now, though, let's talk some more Georgia football here. Let's go around the doghouse, delivered today by our friends at Marco's Pizza. So let me revisit yesterday for a moment because I want to make a completely new point today, but I want to build off what I said yesterday. So here's what I said yesterday that I think that fans at times have a tendency to overrate the importance of injuries, that when you lose even a collection of injuries, that when you lose a tight end, when you lose a defensive back, things like that, it gives you pause. And sometimes that collection of injuries does prove to be too much to overcome. I think 2020 was an example of that for Georgia, but not always. And most of the people who don't have the emotional tie to Georgia that we do, for the most part, still treat Georgia as the same kind of team. For instance, I heard Paul Feinbaum yesterday. Now, maybe you like Feinbaum, maybe you don't, but he is certainly the kind of person who's very much the, the, the kind of person we talk about in discussions like this. Someone who's a couple hundred miles removed from the bubble of Dog Nation, someone who's just kind of a hot take type guy who, you know, just kind of rolls with the punches here. And Feinbaum was asked directly yesterday if the Georgia injuries caused pause for him to not, you know, make a pick for Georgia, make the playoff national championship. And, you know, Feinbaum hemmed and hawed a little bit, but eventually kind of said no, that he still views Georgia as a championship team. Because here's the assumption, whether it be, you know, just kind of old school talker like Feinbaum or analytic type guy, math nerd, whatever else, the assumption they make is, is that if Georgia loses a player, it has a Georgia caliber player, a UGA caliber player, ready to step in and take the place. Eventually, could you have too much attrition? You probably could. But for the most part, people make the assumption that UGA has a certain standard of play, and whichever name is slotted into that spot, you're going to get a UGA standard of play at that position. That's just kind of the way that people operate. However, that is not to say there is nothing that Georgia couldn't overcome here for this upcoming season. I want to give you an example right now of something that I do think if this ends up being true, and there's no reason to believe that it will, but if it does end up being true, this would be the kind of thing that Georgia could not overcome. And this is the kind of thing that I believe would put an end to Georgia's championship chances. Our buddy Mike Griffith wrote about this in a roundabout way at dognation.com the other day. He was looking at Todd McShay, the ESPN analyst, and McShay's got his top 50 big board out right now. Handful of Georgia names on there. Adam Anderson on there. I believe Anderson is rated the highest of any Georgia players. Nicobe Dean is on there. There are a couple of other Georgia names amongst that top 50. But I'll show you this on the screen, something that Mike wrote, having perused.
perused the list for McShay, Mike Griffith writes that Georgia quarterback JT Daniels was not among the six quarterbacks that Todd McShay listed among the top 50 overall NFL draft prospects. You can read that story from Mike Griffith at dognation.com. Let me tell you this right now, and I think you're going to agree with me on this. You may be able to overcome an injury. You may be able to overcome a, a, you know, a player absence. You may be able to weather some of that storm. If JT Daniels isn't one of the six best draft-eligible quarterbacks here this year, then Georgia's not in the college football playoff, and Georgia's not winning the SEC, and Georgia's not winning the national championship. And it's not my intention to put too much pressure on Daniels or anything like that, but he's a quarterback at Georgia playing for his NFL future. He's already got a lot of pressure uh, on him. I can't do anything to add to that. When you look at what Matt Jones did for Alabama last year, what Joe Burrow did for LSU the year before that, what guys who haven't won national championships but have been fixtures in the college football playoff, like Justin Fields getting his team there a couple of times. When you look at Trevor Lawrence, who won as a freshman in 2018 but got the Tigers back there in 2019-2020, you see the role that quarterback plays in all of this. This is a quarterback-driven sport to such a huge, huge degree. It would be – and listen – who, who knows if McShay's right or not? I mean, this is very, very early in the process. I think even he and Mel Kuyper and guys like that would admit they have a tendency to, to you know, change this stuff a lot over the course of time before we get to you know the moments when this stuff finally really matters. But if JT Daniels is not one of the six best quarterbacks in college football, then you're watching the playoff on television. You're not going to that stadium and attending that game. You're not seeing the Georgia Bulldogs there in that spot. That's the kind of thing that could – could really bring an end to Georgia's end-of-season goals, I believe. And it's also one of those things that I think, you know, uh, you know, Georgia this year may actually prove, yeah, no, it does have the kind of quarterback in Daniels that can go out there and play at the highest overall level. So pretty interesting stuff. I thought you'd read more about that with our buddy uh, Mike Rivet there at dognation.com. But, uh, but very interesting. Uh, JT Daniels, some suggesting maybe not quite the season that Georgia fans want him to have. I think it'll be fun to see JT potentially prove those, I won't call them critics, but maybe those naysayers or doubters, whatever you want to call them, Daniels get a chance to prove them wrong when the upcoming season begins. Of course, that's Around the Doghouse. It's delivered today by our friends at Marco's Pizza, and we love Marco's Pizza because it's great pizza at a great price. I'm talking about the great care they take to make the golden crust and put those three cheeses blended together on top of that. It just sounds good to even say that. It certainly looks good when it's delivered right there to you or when you stop in the store and pick it all up there as well. Just a fun thing to think about when you head towards the weekend. Look at that old world world pepperoni on the top of that pizza there or the uh, good looking sausage and everything else uh but listen don't dream about marco's pizza you can be eating it today for lunch or all throughout the weekend there as well and you can get great savings how about a bundle that includes a large one topping pizza a pizza bowl which by the way is the pizza flavor without the crust which is kind of a cool thing right now and you get some cheesy bread so you get the large one topping pizza the pizza bowl and the cheesy bread all for just $21.99 right now. That's really cool savings. Uh, you can take advantage of that. Go to the Marcos app or Marcos, um, excuse me, the Marcos app or Marcos.com. Of course, participation may vary. Additional restrictions might apply, but Marcos app, Marcos.com to find out a lot more about that. All right, it's great to have you with us here today on Dog Nation Daily. Uh, we'll do a lot more in our program. I've even got a really fun collection of uh, golden shoes. On Friday, sometimes we end up doing kind of a golden shoe dump where we'd like to sort of uh, get to a lot of the ones we haven't gotten to yet. Uh, so we'll we'll kind of catch up on some of that today before we're done. That'll be really fun. We'll honor some good Gator haters in our audience. But let's get serious for a moment. Let's take care of some business. Georgia recruiting, all kinds of stuff to address on that. So let's do it all with Jeff Sintel as we go on the road with him, assisted today by Triple A. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. On the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel here today on Dog Nation Daily. And, uh, Jeff, a lot I want to talk to you about. But, obviously, I know you're just like me, very excited about high school football kind of officially being back. We've had a couple uh, fun nights worth of games on the Corky Kell Classic. Of course, I'm looking forward to being a part of that tonight. 30th annual Corky Kell Classic rolls on. I'll be back in my old stomping grounds, Bobby Gruen Field in Gainesville for Gainesville and Johns Creek. That's going to be a really fun game. I know you're going to be a part of the terrific game between Jefferson and Rabin County, and obviously names of note for UGA there uh, with Malachi Starks and Gunnar Stockton. But the full schedule is here, and it's back, high school football in Georgia. And for me, this goes beyond just the guys that we'll talk about that'll play at UGA or even play against Georgia on some other SEC team. There are a lot of guys who are looking to fulfill a college dream by how they play this year or just looking to finish their high school life 
on a big note. I mean, it, it is it is as much fun as you can possibly have, and it's back. And I'm sure you're like me, just glad to know you're going to be under the lights somewhere tonight. Yeah, Brandon. Oh man, big night for everything, man. I know it feels like it just got started rolling. We've seen incremental pieces, but you know, for me, um, I'm going to call it an old school, old fashioned slobber knocker. One of those games that the whole state will be watching. Um, and uh, Jefferson Raven does that for me. But, you know, I want to make sure I make a special moment here to say, man, it's, it'll be good to hear that you're back in the booth. I think you'll feel at home on Friday night. I wonder how many uh, blind squirrels or golden shoes or <laughs> jean shorts references might slip into your broadcast because it, it comes so naturally to you. But uh hope everybody checks out VA uh, on the mic and on the call. I mean, you got to get some sort of signature line like you are looking live or, you know, this year is a bigger – this year is a little bit, a little bit more room than my uh, palatial studio inside Dog Nation World Headquarters. But uh, it'll be good to hear you on the call tonight. Yeah, man. it's one of those things where, uh, and for those of you that are not aware, I am doing play-by-play tonight for the Gainesville John Scree game, which I do think is going to be a terrific game. And it's one of those things where, you know, here on Dog Nation Daily, you kind of get like resort casual version of BA. I'm typically wearing a golf shirt. I'm actually wearing shorts. People can't see that behind the desk, but I'm you know usually pretty relaxed doing a show like this, you know, on the Friday night deal, you got to be kind of like broadcaster BA. You kind of got to get the, uh, you got to make sure the hair is combed. You got to make sure that you are, you know, uh, ready to go out there and take care of business for the folks who are watching that game. So maybe a slightly different side of me, more of the broadcaster type BA, but uh, a ton of fun nonetheless, because as I said before, it's just great to see. And Jeff, I know you're like me. Uh, you'll be obviously at the Rabin Jefferson game, and I'll be over there at uh, at City Park for the for the Gainesville Johns Creek. But I think so many of us also tuning in Petrie TV tonight and CBS forty six dot com after that for the North Cobb Buford game, which is like I mean it's like a, it's like an Under Armour All American game taking place on a Friday night, just given the super team that North Cobb has put together, and of course Buford's as talented as they they always are. I mean, it's good TV tonight for sure. Yeah, I think, um, you know, for Georgia fans that want to pay close attention to that broadcast, not sure that um, – I've been told that Denylon Morissette's still a couple of weeks away with his wrist injury. Okay. So the fabulous Georgia receiver won't be up for that game. Um, you know, Buford's got so many guys, a lot of young guys to pay attention to. Um, you know, there's a lot of good things going on. I, I, my mind, Brandon, is still spinning from – I've done some – pregame interviews with a lot of the guys for the, the Jefferson Raven County game. And I'm going to give a credit to shout out to Javo shot Raven and Gene Cascard at Jefferson, because folks they are like in week 12 in cliche form this week, man, are just like coaching monster right now. Brandon, I've heard these gyms within the last 48 hours. I've heard it's the best 11 players that don't win the game. It's the team with the best 11. And then I was, then I've also heard uh, it's not the most valuable player that wins the game. It's the it's the player that makes the most guys valuable in the game plan. I like that. Um, I mean, I'm, I mean, I don't know if I've heard some of these before, but like, you know, we might need Noah's Ark out there at Jefferson Raven tonight. I'm hearing they don't come up with clouds uh, to speak like my grandparents used sure. to. Uh, it will come up with clouds tonight in Jefferson. But uh, man, I I just can't wait. I, and this is something that I want dog fans to hear, Georgia fans to hear. And you ought to want to just go to go go run through your garage right now and hit somebody. But Malachi Starks told me about how much better he's gotten for the 2021 season. And this is the guy that ran a 10.55 in the hundred in the spring. I think he long jumped like 24 feet. I mean, Malachi Starks might be the closest thing to Matthew Bowling that Kirby Smart ever gets on the Georgia wow. football team. And and he said to me, and he's very really very very humble, very cautious, very. Um, you know, not very um, – he's a young man that's always going to belittle whatever he does on the field uh, and always raise up his teammates. That's just the way he's been his whole life. But Malachi said if the, if the Malachi starts that finished 2020, the player that that guy was, had to face up and line up against the player he is now in 2021, then that five-star from 2020 that took his team to the state championship game would be in a lot of trouble because that's how much better he feels. That's he's incredible. gotten, and he's made the most of he's made the most of his off season to get ready for you know which Jefferson Folks Field is a, a strong state championship contender again. They lost the only game they lost all year was to was to Marist in the state championship. And it's funny the little Gunner Malachi back and forth those two guys have they they cross paths a lot on all star teams and all American teams and 
a lot of teams in their youth. And last year was the first time Malachi ever beat Gunner football field in a competition. Uh, and I think he was like 0-5 or 0-6 coming into that game. And the one thing I hope folks will realize, and we'll, we'll write about the game tonight on dognation.com, but the next time that Malachi Starks and Gunnar Stockton are on the same football field together, they will be teammates for the Georgia Bulldogs. And I know that should probably get a lot of folks excited. Uh, something else has gotten folks excited here this week, Jeff, is the decommitment from five-star wide receiver Luther Bird, no longer part of the Oklahoma class. And listen, I, I've told folks before that I think that Georgia fans ought to take Missouri seriously in this recruitment. I think Eli Drinkwitz right now is a better recruiter than Dan Mullen is, as a for instance on this. Uh, but obviously, you know, on shows in the past, I've said before, I need to see something else from Burden to make me feel like George is kind of a real player in all of this. Well, a decommitment is certainly an example of that. How much do you think the decommitment from Oklahoma changes the calculus of this? Now, I'm assuming the Sooners are still a part of the recruitment on down the line here, but, I mean, it can't be bad news for Georgia, right, that that Burden is now officially on the open market? Yeah, I think it's definitely not bad news for Georgia. I think it opens the door. But I'm going to be honest here, Brandon. Uh, well, first of all, you got my mind spinning on Eli Drinkwitz at Florida. I mean, ah, man, you talk about something that would ruin a Friday. Dog, Georgia fans in Dog Nation do not want to even perceive the fact of a smart, savvy, up-and-coming coach like Eli Drinkwitz out of Florida. But um, I want to be honest with, with Luther Burden because I'm not one of those headline jockeys and, oh, I want you to click this. I got to get in on this story. I think, I think Missouri had every, every bit as much as a reason that turned Luther Burden's head as Georgia did, perhaps even more so. I think, I think Missouri's trying to put together Kevin Coleman, another five star level talented receiver along with Luther Burden and maybe totally, totally energize and supersize their program, especially in terms of their big play potential on offense. But, um, I look back on a lot of things and I go, okay, George Pickens was just a confident guy. Uh, Dominic Blaylock was a once in a million recruit. Um, you know, Jermaine Burton had known Georgia for years and years and they'd been recruiting him for the longest time. And he had so many relationships with guys like William Poole and Chris Smith in his early years that really made sure Georgia happened and Jermaine Burton wanted to stay local. But I want to say this. I don't know if Georgia has done anything up to this point to, to earn the commitment or signing of the nation's number one receiver. Now, I certainly think Georgia can do something this year with the magic numbers of 3,500 passing yards, 40 touchdowns, a thousand yard receiver, 10 or 12, tu- 10 or 12 touchdowns, uh, for their number one receiver. Maybe it's a guy like Burton, but I think Georgia needs to put together the offense. Like people are always wondering, you know, what's happening with the wide receiver recruiting this year and the year before. I think A.D. Mitchell is going to play like a high four-star All-American player. He's going to make that 2021 recruiting class look good. I think the same thing for Jackson Meeks. But I think for Georgia to get into the chase, to land the nation's top five receivers every year, I think we've been through a lot of them, Brandon. Andre Green, Evan Stewart, Luther Burden. You know, these things are going to keep happening when Georgia just tries to trade on a promise and potential and an expectation rather than the reality of, hey, go look at those NCAA wide receiver leaders. Go look at those SEC wide receiver leaders. Go look at the NFL first-round draft. Georgia's going to have to have those Bulldogs showing up on all those lists and populating those lists for them to have a, have a shot at, at, a, at a guy like Luther Burden year in and year out. And I don't think that's unfair to say at all, but, I mean, the industry sort of seems to think that Georgia's at least one of the final three here with, as you mentioned, Missouri, and Maybe if you want to include Oklahoma, maybe still in it. At least that's the sense that I seem to get from just trying to follow the online chatter. And there's also some talk of, hey, you know, Georgia provides something that the closer to homeschool Missouri does and the fact that it's a bigger brand, it's close to a major population hub in the Atlanta area, and it's the kind of thing that if you care about name, image, likeness, things like that, you'd have a chance to maybe cash in on that at a place like Georgia and someone like Burden maybe paying attention to that. So, I, I I appreciate your honesty and your candor, and I think that you're probably correct that the Georgia offense is going to prove itself worthy of receivers like Luther Burden. But, I mean, Georgia's at least in it a little bit, though, right? Oh, yeah. I think they're in it. I mean, I think he's going to come back to Georgia and give them an official. I think by that time, Georgia's passing game needs to be clicking on a lot of cylinders when he does so. And I think that maximizes Georgia's chance. And I guess I want to make sure I streamline what I'm trying to say. 
because, you know, Missouri has an angle there where they're local, somewhat local to, to Luther Burden. Well, for Georgia to go way out of state and pull in uh, the nation's number one receiver type, a five-star receiver type, for Georgia to have that type of reach, not in a linebacker, not in an offensive lineman, not even in a quarterback, um, not definitely not as a running back because Georgia's done this years and years and years. But to go pull a five-star wide receiver, you know, like Evan Stewart's a great example out of Texas. I mean, look at the schools that he's considering. He's considering all the high-flying, passing, incredible offenses. and the, the, the schools that put the ball in the air, as we remember that phrase from Georgia recruiting for years and years and years. I, I think that's what's necessary there for Georgia in terms of um, getting a guy like that and having him really truly consider Georgia. We've been talking about this for years. I, I keep saying it. I think the biggest difference between Georgia and Alabama over the past few years is is what the home run hitters that Alabama has stacked up at wide receiver. Yeah. But it's funny you should mention name, image, and likeness because I had an interesting conversation with a family uh, this week, and it's actually happened twice over the last over the last two or three weeks. Um, you know how Brandon the script is if you're a really good uh, high school quarterback or high school football player that also you're getting in it in that it, that major league baseball scouting attention where you've got the thing where you know I might go in the first round or I might go in the second round sure. and then you go. You know, the plan has been happening for years and years where, you know, hey, go to college, go to college, go play pro baseball. Well, you sure. know, pro, pro baseball will pay for your degree. They'll give you $2 million in your pocket. And then if you hit um, 118 in Dubuque, Iowa, and you can never hit the curveball or you can never hit the strike zone, well, then, hey, you can just go back to college football and you can be $2 million richer and still try your hand at both sports. Sure. Well, that's maybe, cha- maybe changing a little bit, Brandon, with this name, image, and likeness. I think some families have noticed a guy like Bryce Young getting a million dollars. I think they've noticed the, 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 the Quinn Ewer story coming out of Ohio State where now coming out of Texas to Ohio State where now he's the face of this health drink or whatever with some sort of national appeal and national branding. All of a sudden that, well, I'm going to make a ton more money in, in Major League Baseball and then go to college football. All of a sudden that, that, that those waters aren't as crystal clear and is it's, it's not a, a no-brainer situation anymore when you can when a young man can go play football and then make one and one and a half million dollars or something like that or at least six figures healthy six figures uh, even to bypass their baseball dream. So that's another way where you know you were talking about name, image, and likeness and branding and being next to a bigger market, a bigger brand. That's another way where that's kind of changing one of our old staples of you know what type of what type of young man that throws 94 miles an hour as a pitcher goes and plays college football first. Sure. Most of the times they go play, they go try major league baseball first. And I think that's another way where this era is changing with all these radical changes for college football. Interesting to hear how those prospects and their families are thinking about securing their financial future. And of course, that's something that you need to be thinking about there as well. And one of the ways you do that is life insurance, especially if you're in charge of taking care of somebody else. And I actually have a couple of kids. So for me, my family life insurance is something that we definitely think about. And when you think about life insurance, I want you to think about my friends at AAA. Of course, AAA assists us with On the Road with Jeff Sintel each and every Friday, but they can also assist you when it comes to your own life insurance needs there as well. Uh, they can explain the entire process to you, and there's a lot of ways to get in touch. You can give them a call, 866-695-0222. That's 866-695-0222. You can stop by see them in a local AAA office and let one of those insurance agents talk you about all of the life insurance options that you have there, or you can go online. It's aaa.com slash life. That's aaa.com slash life and find out all the ways in which AAA can serve you when it comes to your life insurance needs. Jeff, let me give you a couple of rapid fire questions here. Then we'll let you get out of here on a Friday. And of course, we always appreciate your time. You mentioned Andre Green a little earlier. He dropped his top six. Uh, you see that there on the screen right there. Georgia right in the middle. Georgia's always in the middle of these graphics. Hayes Fawcett does so many of them. I don't know if Georgia just works better in the middle, but it's amazing how frequently they get the middle position here, including for Andre Green Jr. right there. A, a very good-looking edit all the way around. Jeff, we've talked about Green before, of course. Uh, what do you think? What do you, what do you think things stand right now? Now that Green has kind of whittled down his finalist even more here. Yeah, Brandon, that was one of the updates we had for Andre Green. And Brandon, we talk about this a lot. You see the talent maybe in May or June, and and then the uh, recruiting rankings start catching up. I think at one point Andre Green was a top 25 receiver. I, I see other sites are now putting him among their top 10, top five. I think he's a special football player. 
we did on Hedges this week. Um, we, we've gradually seen a slide for Andre Green from maybe the number three to the number four to the number five top target. I, I just think and there, there's a lot of opinion out there right now about Andre Green that, that Clemson's going to be really tough to beat in this recruitment. They kind of they kind of weren't inter- the Energizer Bunny in his recruitment um, at the forefront, but here lately, I guess the Tigers have been closing really fast because they have they have a reputation for putting first round receivers in the league and throwing throwing the football around, and I think that's just more things. I think the the one thing that that, that kind of gives Georgia fans a little bit of a you know a little bit of a can 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 we go higher than the bronze medal here or the silver medal here is that it, it sounds like Andre Green Jr. is going to wait. Uh, for a few weeks, get some time into the college season before he makes his decision. And maybe by that time, uh, that jet pilot for the University of Georgia will feel like he's got like 19 Tomahawk missiles out there on the edges to carve up some defenses, and that, that offense will be flying along. Uh, interesting stuff. Let me do one more thing here real quick. Uh, obviously, Georgia Tech's A&M have kind of overlapped a lot when it comes to 2022 class. The last week is an example of that. Bear Alexander gives you top two and includes the Aggies and the Dogs. And once again, another good-looking social media edit shares that message. But you've also got Dion Bowie, who took the next step, and some wondered if he would after he decommitted from Georgia, knowing his tie to Nick Williams and knowing he'd taken some visits to College Station, what he pledged Texas A&M, and Bowie has now done that. Listen, you know, it's great that Bowie's committed to Texas A&M. My assumption is this is far from done. I guess it's great that Bear Alexander's including Georgia in his top two. I still think that's a pretty big challenge, although I did enjoy the positive update you gave us on that a week ago. What do you make here about Alexander and Bowie and the news that's come out with them in the last seven days? Yeah, I think it's interesting because I know Georgia fans want that pedigree of having a five-star cornerback in the class. Um, it seems like Georgia's, you know, thoughts on there is, you know, Georgia's probably going to try and very, very hard to bring in the recruitment of Giant Singletary, the talented corner, five-star corner um, out of Jacksonville, Florida, former Ohio State uh, commitment there. And you got Bowie now. I don't think things are done with Bowie, but if I, if I'm being honest, I got to say that I think Georgia's chances with with Big Bear Alexander are a little bit warmer there with than than with Dayon Bowie. I think I think Dayon's going to come back to Georgia, Georgia will get another visit, um, and Georgia will have a, still have a chance there with, with Mr. Bowie as well, but um, you know, Texas A&M is certainly becoming a player in all things. It's like, I think the, the number of uh, former Georgia analysts or uh, personnel directors or quality control guys, I think they're you know, not even counting a guy like James Coley now, um, I think the number is around four or five, and I would expect Texas A&M to be a school that's going to consistently be a top five school in the recruiting rankings and all these chases for these great players for years and years to come. It seems like they're adopting that model that, you know, has been been coming along from Alabama to to Georgia, now to Texas A&M with a lot of quality kind of recruiting pieces on the board. Um, You know, I I would be very hard pressed. I would love to see what the audience and what most, most, what most folks feel if they think the chances are of, of Georgia signing both Singletary and Bowie are still strong or one or the other. Um, yeah, I mean, know, I'll I, just I, say I, this from I, on my own behalf, Jeff, and listen, I'm not going to pretend my knowledge is the same as yours. You're the expert on this. I'm not. But I believe if I was going to fill out my own online prediction, no matter what it looks like today, I guess I would say Alexander more likely Texas A&M and Bowie more likely Georgia – and that's just my assumption. I've even said that on the show this week. That's not an expert, uh, you know, analysis. That's just my own personal opinion. But, you know, the idea that, you know, Alexander was always going to be a tough pull for Georgia. I believe that. I'd love to have him in this class. But I, I've always felt like this was a high degree of difficulty. And something like the buoy, I don't know, man. I mean, if Georgia really wants to win this thing, are they going to lose a player from Kirby Smart's hometown on simply on the basis of Nick Williams? To me, and I'm speaking here as a fan, just giving a knee-jerk opinion, this is not meant to be expert analysis, but as just as you know, kind of a knee-jerk opinion, I mean, if Georgia really puts their back into this, are they going to lose a, 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 a Dion Bowie commitment? I, I, guess, I, I guess I would assume they probably wouldn't. Yeah, um, it's kind of funny. I, if I had to think about my mo- most realistic scenario, um, I, I, let me throw this caveat first. 
I think a 10-0, 9-0 Georgia that's scoring 45 points a game would be the greatest recruiting machine that Georgia has ever seen under Kirby Smart um, in terms of everything clicks with what all the goals and dreams and hopes that this very talented roster has for the season. I would think that um, a lot of a lot of five stars would be in play for Georgia, perhaps even more so. But I don't know, man. If I had to sit there and think, I would probably I would probably wager that the young man from Texas coming over to Georgia, I think the odds there are probably a little bit stronger wow. than the young man from Georgia, than the young man from Georgia, uh, not going all the way wow. over to Texas and staying and staying in because I mean you know it's 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 funny and you hear this from the recruits now is that you know Nick Williams was a loss because Nick Williams was kind of. You know, I can catalog eight important players on Georgia right now where Nick Williams was important in that recruitment. And I think what I'm hearing now is I've even heard this from the lips of a couple of recruits is that the new uh, director of on-campus recruiting, uh, David Cooper, who used to be at Louisville and used to be at Florida, is is effectively, effectively, let me stress that term, um, replacing a lot of those feel-good moments and interactions with all these top tier recruits now that Nick Williams used to. I think you add into the fact with Nick million, Nick Williams that he is from Bainbridge and that he knows a lot of uh knows a lot of the folks that Dayon Bowie calls some of the most important decision makers in his life and some of the most important people in their lives. Um, you know, that's where Nick Williams played, a lot of family and friends from that area. He knows the family really well. He knows trainers really well. I, I just think that is a and then there's a there the the age gap, which is, you know, not as extreme as in other, as in other places. And I think David Cooper, I think he was recently recognized by 24 seven sports as maybe one of the top people in college football under the age of 30. I think it was 40 under 30 or 30 under 30 or whatever. But, um, David Cooper was recognized there. So was George's another director or on campus recruiting, um, Executive, I would say, uh, she was also recognized, Katie Turner as well. Georgia had two folks in that 30 under 30. Um, so Cooper's trying to, doing it and doing a very good job from what my reporting tells me in kind of replacing that void that Nick Williams, or replacing that role that Nick Williams did so very well for the Georgia staff. That's somebody besides the position coach, somebody besides the head coach, somebody besides the coordinator. You hear a lot of great things about David Cooper from guys like Christian Miller. Um, guys like Mikel Williams as well. So I think, I think that and I, I keep on, I keep coming back to this one point that I want to make very clear uh-huh. is I don't know if anybody's going to withstand Georgia's recruiting tug of war, recruiting Georgia's gravity. Let me say, um, should everybody look at Georgia and see a Georgia team averaging 45 points per game yeah. and then also shutting down folks defensively as well. I think that's a Georgia that we have not seen yet on the recruiting trail of Georgia can do that. I'm going to double down on something I've said for the longest time with this class. It doesn't matter about the $80 million that was spent, which was spent very well. I think the most effective recruiting Georgia will do in 2021 is going to be on the stat sheet and on the scoreboard and on all highlight plays that show up on SEC Network and ESPN. I think that's where Georgia is going to change a lot of opinions. It's going to change a lot of narratives in terms of what direction this program is going. And I think that's what the program really needs. Strong words from Jeff Sintel. Great way to close things out. Jeff, thanks for being here on the road, assisted by AAA here today. We'll look forward to reading all your coverage of the great Raven and Jefferson game that's going to take place tonight. And, of course, high school football all throughout and how that impacts the the recruiting news there as well. We'll look forward to reading at dognation.com and, of course, seeing you back here on Dog Nation Daily, assisted by AAA again very soon there as well. Thanks so much, Jeff. Yeah, Brandon, we're hearing weather reports about rain tonight in Jefferson, so it might not be Malachi or Gunner playing like Superman. It might be one of those young men playing like Aquaman in order to win that game tonight, man. So it would be interesting to see. Should be indeed. Jeff, thanks so much. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. you got to save that stuff for the story, right? The superhero analogy, you got to save that for the story. But nonetheless, good stuff from Jeff Sintel all the way around 
on the road. This is about AAA. Uh, we're going to try to pick up the pace here because I know we're kind of working on a long one uh, right now as far as the show goes. But listen, I'm glad to have all of you with us no matter what. And hopefully you're having a good time with it there as well. SEC through. Let me first, though, give a shout out to my friends at the Finnish Long Drink. Talk about having a long one. Uh, a Finnish Long Drink. Good way for you to enjoy a nice weekend. Uh, you know, it makes it feel like a long weekend, even if it's only two days. The Finnish Long Drink can do that for you. If you're watching uh, me on TV tonight, then settle in and have yourself a Finnish Long Drink right there on the couch as you do so, whether it's the Long Drink Cranberry. Some of you have told me you love that. The Long Drink Strong. A lot of this audience I know loves that for the obvious reasons. 8.5% alcohol by volume. Of course, a Long Drink Zero, the Long Drink Traditional. You know, It comes from Finland, the 1950s. A uh, really cool story about how it was when the Summer Games were in Helsinki. This was kind of created as a way of celebrating that. It's been a part of celebrations ever since here in the United States of America for the last couple of years and now for you wherever you are, especially all around the state of Georgia. So check out thelongdrink.com and you can find out where you can pick yourself up some finished long drink right now uh, as we head towards the weekend. So many of you have told me you love it and I'm glad that you do. It's ready to drink cocktail right out of the can. It looks like a beer, but it's not. It's just pop the top and drink it and enjoy. You can pour it in a glass, you can drink it out of the can, you can do whatever you want. It is the finished long drink. All right, so I talked a moment ago about a pretty interesting piece from Pat Forty, SportsIllustrated.com. This isn't the top coaches in college football. This is what Forty ranks as the most intriguing coaches. I don't have time to go through all of the lists, but I want to go through a couple of these. First of all, at number one in his list, he has Steve Sarkeesian, the former Alabama offensive coordinator, now head coach of Texas. And I don't think enough people have made this point. And I, I feel about Sarkeesian a little bit what some of y'all have heard me say about Lane Kiffin. As a play caller, Lane Kiffin should be credited with completely changing the Alabama program. He he brought the the offense that that um, offensive philosophy anyway. That program has kept even after the, he's been gone now for a number of years. He transformed Alabama should get credit for that. Steve Sarkeesian kind of the same way was maybe the best offensive coordinator I've ever seen last year with what he did for Alabama. But much the same way with Kiffin where I love him as a play caller, not sure about him as a head coach. I think in the case of Sarkeesian what he did for Alabama as a play caller is very difficult to replicate. In fact, I don't believe that Bill O'Brien this year will be able to as he steps in Sarkeesian's shoes there. But as a head coach, man, are we sure? Texas is a big old brand with a lot of money invested in Sarkeesian. But we're talking about a guy whose career head coaching record is just 46 and 35. And even pushing aside the personal issues that caused him to lose his job at USC, this is a guy who's not exactly winning at a high clip even before that, right? So... I'm not saying he won't succeed. I'm saying that 40 describing him as intriguing is certainly true. This may be a guy who's truly rejuvenated himself because of his time working with Nick Saban. But you got to be careful with this when it comes to Saban. When these guys that kind of go through that car wash and come out way cleaner on the other side, is it just their reputation that's been cleaned up or are they actually better coaches? That's the thing I think you got to be careful about. Uh, Sarkeesian is certainly intriguing and we'll see how much of this Texas investment really does pay off in him. Number two on this list is Luke Fickle from Cincinnati. Of course, Cincinnati, a preseason top 10 team right now. And here's the one thing. Oftentimes, bowl wins are overrated. We look at bowl games as some sort of momentum that gets carried into the new season, and frequently that's just not the case. That's something we believe must be true, but it's frequently not the case. However, Cincinnati's a top 10 team, and as many of our audience has pointed out to me, certainly some of our video commenters, have mentioned this before. Cincinnati gets the chance to play at Notre Dame this year, right? So not only will Cincinnati likely have a pretty record at the end of the year, but there's a chance they also get a pretty big trophy on the wall as well when it comes to a chance to win at Notre Dame. Now, maybe they don't win the game, but that's a big opportunity to win that game. There's also a chance that in hindsight, we look back and say, wow, Georgia's winning in Cincinnati was actually a better win than it was probably credited for at the time. I mean, the fact of the matter is Georgia fans just don't think a team like Cincinnati from the American Athletic Conference is very good. They don't think it's legitimate the same way an SEC team is. And no matter what Kirby Smart says, Georgia fans just are going to kind of feel that way. But if you see Cincinnati on the heels of being a top-10 team a year ago, be a top-10 team again, and if they were to beat Notre Dame on the road, Fickle, who um, 40 calls the second most intriguing coach in college football, not only will his star rise as a coach, and maybe he moves on to a bigger and better job, all of a sudden the, the Georgia winning in Cincinnati – from last season, maybe it does look like, oh, that was the start of something uh, against the defense was really pretty good. Uh, I mentioned uh, Kirby Smart at number five on this list. The name above him is Jim Harbaugh. And I want to make this point kind of quickly, although sometimes with me, quick is in the eye of the beholder. 
So you've heard it said before that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. And I think in the case of like Kirby Smart a moment ago, earlier in the show when I was uh, reading what Pat Forty wrote about him and Forty was questioning his in-game coaching skills and questioning his his need to avoid the disastrous performance, which unfortunately seems like George has had at least once in each of Kirby Smart's seasons, dating back 2016 and in each of the seasons since 2017 when George has been a real factor as a playoff contender, they still get blown out once a year and you just can't do that if you're going to be a, a true championship contender. And some Georgia fans may you know, not like the idea of that national rider kind of taking a jab at Kirby Smart, but there is something worse than that. And it's the stuff that Jim Harbaugh is currently dealing with. I was thinking about this the other day. You can go back in time, 2016 or so, listen to old shows, and in the SEC through and stuff like that, man, we were talking about Jim Harbaugh all the time. We were talking about his satellite camps coming to the South and how they were trying to plant a flag down here. And, you know, it kind of worked a little bit, at least for a time. They got Nico Collins, good receiver out of the state of Alabama. That was a receiver I really liked. Briefly got Aubrey Solomon, although it didn't really stick. But we were talking about Jim Harbaugh all the time. And Harbaugh's this big, big, big thorn in everybody's side, even even Kirby Smart, because they kind of came in to their jobs near the same time. We don't talk about Jim Harbaugh anymore at all. Harbaugh is totally irrelevant. So as I said before, you know, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is probably indifference. In college football, it's the same thing. The opposite of praise isn't really criticism, because when you criticize someone, you're criticizing someone because you think you ought to be able to praise them more than you currently can't. The opposite of praise is just irrelevance not covered at all. And Harbaugh went from a few years ago being the most talked about coach in the sport to now national shows, our show. He's just not a relevant figure whatsoever. So Smart may have his critics every now and then, and Smart may have some folks kind of, you know, you know, putting some pressure on him from every now and then. But better to be in that position than to be in the position of a guy like Jim Harbaugh who doesn't generate any chatter whatsoever. A couple other stories I want to just run through real quick. Actually, let's just do one more story here. Actually, we'll do two quick ones. So there's bad news coming out of Kentucky where I guess six Kentucky players, I'm going to read the statement here. So um, I guess six Kentucky players have been charged with with burglary. Uh, What uh, the Kentucky Athletics Department says is, and I'm reading this from seaofblue.com, Institution Athletics Department uh, takes matters like this very seriously. We are closely evaluating the issue before determining the next step. Mark Stoops, the head coach, says, I'm aware of the situation that arose today out of respect for the legal process. I cannot comment on the charges. We have uh, been aware of this matter since March, withheld the players from team activities while a student conduct review was being held. Based on the outcome of the review, the players returned to activity in June. We're evaluating the current situation. We receive more information. So I really... um, it's apparently first degree burglary charge, uh, and it's going to be filed in court today here on this Friday. Incident took place in a in, in March at a private party. Um, the players are R.J. Adams, an offensive lineman, a running back uh, Robert McClain, cornerback Andrew Phillips, wide receiver Ernest Sanders the fourth, defensive back Vito Tisdale, and defensive back uh, Joel Williams. Listen, this show really isn't the crime beat. I have no idea if these guys are guilty. I have no idea if this is all just a gigantic misunderstanding. I don't have any kind of opinion on that one way or another. I just don't know enough about it to know. I bring this up more from the football sense of that you've got a lot of positive talk around Kentucky right now. There are a lot of people who believe that Kentucky may be the second best team in the SEC East here for this upcoming year. And you kind of wonder whatever's going on here, how much of a potential distraction that causes for a Kentucky team that's really trying to be, you know, I've talked to Missouri on today's show. I actually think Missouri's probably better than Kentucky, but Kentucky wants to be better than Missouri. Kentucky wants to threaten Florida. We had Kentucky fans in our uh, comment section at SEC Country Live on Wednesday saying they think that Kentucky's going to beat Florida here this year. So a little bit of a PR setback, if nothing else. We'll find out how much more serious than that it gets, but a little bit of a PR setback here for the Wildcats who are trying to be a little bit of a player for the upcoming season. By the way, speaking of Kentucky, one more quick story. So former Kentucky quarterback, and I say that in air quotes because he's only there about five minutes, really you think of more of a former Auburn quarterback, Joey Gatewood, is actually going to UCF. We were united with his old head coach there, Gus Malzahn. So it's kind of funny for Gatewood, who once transferred away from Malzahn because he didn't make him the starting quarterback, has now transferred back to Malzahn after Kentucky didn't make him the starting quarterback. So hopefully for that young man, he can eventually find himself a home and uh, be happy in college football. But for now, we'll make that your SEC through. All right, here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, let's turn our attention back to Georgia. And sometimes on Friday, to be completely honest with you, 
we're forced to catch up on some fun golden shoes that we haven't had a chance to give out earlier this week. So let me do a couple of fun edits on social media. Then I want to show you a video. Can we see one of the edits here first? Our buddy Mad Dog. Now, I guess you got to be careful. This is sensitive content right now because there was the gator attack of the day at the uh, gator zoo type thing. But uh, Mad Dog writes in to say that when you try to run away from a fight that you can't win, you see Kirby Smart on like the gator tamer here pulling that tail. Yeah, y'all don't mess with those gators. I said this the other day. Gators are fascinating because they move slow until they don't. Uh, you know, they have a way of kind of lumbering, but then all of a sudden they're moving pretty quickly and suddenly. But uh, good stuff by our buddy Mad Dog, who racks up another golden shoe win there. I do like Kirby yanking on that gator tail. I think that's pretty good. Also, our buddy Ben Green, who always shows up in a big, big way. Uh, he gives you the hashtag branding as he presents the new gator logo to be revealed on October the 31st, 2021, which is the day after the uh, dogs beat up on the gators and you see a uh, little bit of a gator there the worst for the wear with the uh, band-aid on and uh, bloodshot eyes getting beaten up by those dogs ben's always really good and that's a really good one there as well i love the idea of that and then more in the category of just good parenting uh our, our buddy josh johansson shares this i think we have a little bit of can we have a little bit of audio for this we oh no audio so uh showing uh child enjoying the uh the georgia cheers there and having a good time doing all of that uh that's just good parenting all the way around there with some uh with some good stuff there as a youngster gets a chance to enjoy some georgia highlights and getting ready for that upcoming season that's always a great thing to see there is a chance we've already done this as a golden shoot now that i think about it but i feel like we have it maybe we have either way uh good stuff here on a friday let's go ahead and wrap things up and of course i will see you tonight 5 30 p.m peachtree tv Streaming on CBS46.com as well. City Park in Gainesville. Uh, historic Bobby Gruen Field for the Red Elephants as they host Johns Creek. What a fun game that's going to be. Of course, after we're done on Petrie TV tonight, also a huge game. Our buddy Matt Stewart and Rusty Manziel will have the call of uh, North Cobb. And my goodness, what a super team the Shane Queens put together there for uh, North Cobb here this year. And, of course, Buford always loaded up and ready to go. That's going to be a terrific, terrific matchup. North Cobb and Buford tonight going to be a, a lot of fun. So high school football is back. Jeff's going to be there. And Jefferson will all be trying to dodge the rain, I guess, a little bit. I haven't really seen the forecast too good. I'm scared to look at it. But uh, hopefully that will all be taking care of itself. So y'all get ready for a great weekend. Of course, I know you're getting ready for a great weekend, October 30th, 2021. 20, uh, That's 71 days from now on that date. Dogs beat the lousy, stinking gators again. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger.